0: Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out hey there thank you for tuning in to trans a rpg we are an all transgender people of color led 100 homebrew dungeons and dragons fifth edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non-colonial anti-orientalist world i am your game master connie my pronouns are they he and she and my cast is as follows C. Thomas plays Oka Hien, an blood bloodhunter. Max Guo plays Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra artificer. Erika Fladland plays V. Noxherzo, an elf sorcerer. Valiant Dorian plays Voska, a yuanti bard. Hamna Shahid plays Jaron Cotter, a dragonborn rogue. Dare Hickman plays Gentle, a triton monk. Quinn B. Rodriguez plays Sitlali, a changeling cleric. And Austin Knight plays Abiku Ishtar, a reborn goliath ranger. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include complex and complicated relationships, death of loved ones, and blood and bloodletting. Arc 6, Episode 1. One Star Sliding Up the Blade. From Man in Black by Justin Philip Reed. Bear 39. Is there no end to this? Is there no solution? The darkness doesn't stop. The sky is a tessellation of eyes, pupils, wounds in reality crimson and empty, bleeding monsters none of us have ever seen before, and the wings, alabaster, sprawling, feathers overlapping like Mahu's waves. Hard as diamond folding over her body like armor every time one of us gets close. Is there no end to this? Is there no solution? Bear 39. Shu Miao. Sunless light breaks over Dr. Aluso's homestead. Chickens roost. Within wooden pens, rows and rows of tilled earth lay fallow. A handsome dusting of snow thickens the red roof of the barn, and the cottage stands strong amongst the frost. We push through a foggy window to find a warm, inviting living room. Fire crackles in a hearth. An orange cat dozes on a thick rug. Books, scrolls, trophies, accolades of every size and stripe line the walls. A staircase curls up toward a second floor, and the smell of ginger tea suffuses the air. Oka, where do we find you at Dr. Eluso's homestead? Oka is actually outside.
1: And if I may describe them again, because it's a new arc and I'm so excited to do this all the time, Oka is a drow awesomar with slight gray skin, black hair, a smattering of freckles, and more scars that crisscross their body than I think even they can count at this point. The most notable feature about Oka is probably their eyes. Blue sclera, blue iris, two pupils in each eye, both of which are trained currently on their enemy, protege? Menti across the way as they, I think, run forward through the snow, their like feet leaving these like thick uh, footprints in the snow as they bring Dream Hunter, this beautiful long sword carved with runes all down the hilt, up uh, and into the uh, pairing blade of their good friend, uh, colleague. Um, uh, I, don't think about that too hard. Uh Sitlali
2: as Oka swings Dream Hunter uh, right at you. And Sitlali, if I may describe them again. Um, Sitlali is currently 5 foot 2 and will be for a while. If you remember Arc 5. Um 5 foot 2, um, it's just a short phase. It's just a short phase, it's fine. They're, <laughs> they're 5 foot 2, um, with like a uh, long curly pat like multi pastel hair um very curvy and like a dress uh that is slit not for um it's for style not for you wouldn't know that they're a monster hunter by looking at them but um she is uh and they have like boots on they have like thigh high boots um, and off to one side, there is, like, a, a roughly hewn kind of, like, cane. Uh, oh, they've got fucking lightning scars, um, all the way, like, crisscrossing up across her body, um, and little, like, kind of, like, constellations, like, silver, not quite freckles, but, like, across their body, little, like, stars. Um, sitlali I think, barely manages to parry the blade, um and just kind of grunts with the effort, and is like, I much prefer using a shield for this. It seems much more efficient than using this whole pairing thing. The shield is bigger than... I don't understand why we have to do it like this, but okay. And then I think she tries to, like, push Dream Hunter off of her rapier, and I think takes a beat too long at calculating what to do next, because Lali is very used to playing 4D chess, and... This is checkers. Um, so <laughs> I think they spend a beat too long looking before they tell with their eyes where they're going to lunge. Yep.
1: Uh, and I think Oka just responds, we're not using shields because your work is still extremely sloppy. And I think as they say sloppy, it's just kind of a like, tap, 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 like three different places where they could have like got you in that moment. And then they... Uh, and disarm uh, the rapier right into the snow. And your grip strength is still like you're holding onto an egg. Hold it like you're holding Mercy's ponytail, for fuck's sake. Again. And Oka uh, steps back and brings Dream Hunter up again.
2: So Lolly goes and like, is staring after Oka and like, tries to very like, cleanly grab the rapier out of the ground and it it sticks. So, like, she kind of looks at it, and they're like, no, I'm cooler than this fucking, uh, fucking, like, pulls it again. Harder this time, perhaps inspired by the vision of something, Um, and does manage to get a better grip on the hilt, and just kind of under her breath, but loud enough that Oka can hear cast Blight, like, six times, and you would have been dead by now, but, you know, that's fine, that's fine. Anyway, and, like, starts to go back and, like, is taking up the the starting stance again.
1: And Oka kind of rolls their eyes a little bit and they go, can't counterspell this. Uh, and they come forward again. And I think like the swords clash one more time.
0: Mm. As the sparks fly off your blaze, I think, we sweep past this training field surrounded by snow and fallow fields of soil to find Dewey. Dewey, where are you at Dr. Liso's homestead and what are you up to?
3: Um, I think Dewey is... In the kitchen, uh, he's got like a tray with a couple of mugs of hot coffee on them. Um, and he's staring out the window out to where these two are training. Um, and he's sort of just like, Should I go? Should I go? Mm, They look like they're kind of, mm, is this a good time for me to? He's trying to like figure out whether or not it's a good moment for him to go out with the coffee because they're getting a little heated. Um, it seems like. Uh, and Dewey, I'm gonna describe him again, I guess. Since the last time he was at this homestead, um, he's changed, he's gone through his full magical paragon girl transformation. His feathers are, like, less dusty blue and more, like, a seafoam green aquamarine sort of color, and they've got, um, the ends of his feathers are black with, like, white speckles on them, which, if you stare at them a little too long you're like, are those constellations? But also they might just be dots, who knows? And you've seen him wearing his full Paragon regalia, which is like many layers of robes and uh, a sash that goes around. But I think on days when they're just training, uh, researching, he goes back to his casual attire of like uh, a shirt and cargo shorts. And maybe he wears like the, the robe on top of it all, just because it's kind of, it feels like he should. But he hasn't figured out how to—there's, like, a sash, this the normal orange sash that, like, flutters in the wind, uh, even when there's no breeze. Um, he hasn't quite figured out how to get that to come off permanently, so that's always tied around his waist. So, yeah, sort of this, like, half-casual, half-dressy look. And he's just fidgeting in the kitchen with this tray of coffee that's getting colder and colder.
1: I think through the window you just hear Oka scream,
2: AGAIN! It's killed you so many ways, so many times, so many different things. Not with that, you haven't.
3: Dewey lets go of the train and goes and sits in the, uh, at the dining table without the coffee and just puts his, his head in his hands.
0: <laughs> I love that. Waiting for
3: the screaming to die down.
0: As you do. Uh, and Dewey, I think we pan past you at this low table to find in a different part of the homestead, Vasca.
4: Vaska, I believe, is seated at like the main living room, close to where this adorable little cat is napping. And has been for the past several minutes plucking upon the strings of a zither placed upon her lap. And I should describe what Vaska looks like. Um, she is a yuan uh, UNT with this uh, lovely mass of white hair um, that sits upon her head with an undercut and if you paid attention within the locks of hair you could see tiny bits of snowflakes shards of ice almost infusing themselves into the fiber of her hair and she wears these robes of black and gold with these incredible uh, circular geometric patterns and a sash that runs from her wrist to elbow and by her hip you can see a black and gold flute decorated with serpent skin patterning up its length that's seated right at her hip with a beautiful light blue tassel at the end of it. And as she is plucking each string of the zither and hearing Oka scream multiple times, stops her playing as she has done each time there's been a loud noise mid-playing and kind of like readjusts the gold chain around her neck attached to the shard this crude kind of carved gem a stone that sits upon her chest kind of fiddles with it and attempts once more to play and then hears oka scream again and gives up <laughs>
1: If you go to the window to see what that one was all about, I think that there are like, uh, I think like bone shards, like these like twists of like huge bones, almost looking like these huge spikes coming out of the ground are now kind of in between Sitlali and Oka at this point. And Oka is like, a maneuverability is important, Sitlali. You can't just stand in the back line and fire off spells. You need to be able to protect yourself when somebody is on your
2: ass. Well, typically when somebody is on my ass, I have a good handle of that, Oka. Also, we talked about the sacrilege. Do we have to sacrilege every time we train? Well, it makes you angry, which makes you at least motivated to keep going. I'm always motivated to keep going. And I think they kind of like slash really dramatically through like some of the bone shards at that.
4: Voska kind of like stares. It's almost exactly like if someone were to stare directly at the camera and Voska is just gaze trained on the scene that is occurring right in front of her. Dewey, not looking up,
3: speaks up and is like, if you want, like, the back left ba- uh, bedroom is
4: the quietest. You're still going to hear them, but... No, you- that is very kind of you, Dewey. I I think I will be all right. just a, a matter of getting used to us all. And kind of her gaze, her blue, icy blue and fog gray white eye, pans down to the abandoned mugs of coffee and kind of like stands over one arm around her back, like supporting her lower back and gestures to it, looking at Dewey May I? Uh, yeah Go, go ahead And picks picks up the coffee mugs hands one to you as you have like your face in your hands and kind of sits adjacent to you uh, at the kitchen table We might as well enjoy the scenery and take a sip.
0: At this point, the Dewey and Voska in the house, you hear a very loud and unceremonious thunk, 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 coming down the stairs as Mercy, uh, the leader of the Hounds of Mercy, comes down, massive bastard sword strapped to her back. She is this Muscular half-orc woman with uh, red hair, shaved on the sides, done up in this like very pra- pragmatic ponytail. She's got an eye patch over one eye and an open tunic, despite the fact that it's literally the dead of winter. Uh, but she hasn't put on her winter coat yet, right? And her, her tunic is tucked into these like brown trousers that are also tucked into these leather boots. Like thunk, 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 thunk. And she like arrives at like the bottom landing.
4: What
3: did we say about shoes in the house?
0: What? That they're fine but just because you want to flash your freaky feet around doesn't mean everyone does okay
3: quirk what go go break those two up please just go
0: what they're having a good time sparring huh that's my partner out there yeah. uh and mercy strides over to the window and flings it open like just bam bam oh. like just doesn't even unlatch it just bams it open and like a gust of like wintry air flows in as she just takes in a huge lungful of air and shouts out, go get him Sidlali!
2: I think Sidlali mid-spar just kind of like looks over and stops like paying attention completely and is like, I will. I'm completely ignoring Oka and just like heart emojis. (laughs) Oh my God, Oka takes the
1: opportunity, like gives Mercy a dirty look out of the corner of their eyes, but they're still mid like swing. And I think they actually throw Dream Hunter because I finally have Dream Hunter stats and I realized all the cool things I can do with it. They throw Dream Hunter. And if it's okay with you, Quinn, I think it like sticks into one of the shirt sleeves of Sitlali's like uh, dress and like pins it back against the side of the barn they like let them sit there for a moment and then they recall the sword. Uh, it just kind of like flies and it reappears back in their hand. Distractions. Sitlali, what did we say about distractions? And what did we say about distractions,
0: Mercy? You're We're cheating. Working. That's cheating. That's a magical sword. This is a no magic zone. That, that didn't count. Referee says the points don't matter here. Referee is
1: biased, Mercy. And I threw it. I recalled it with magic, but I threw it.
0: Walk it off, Molly Walk it off. I'm fine. Because
4: <laughs> just looking at Dewey, like, while drinking um, this cup of tea, when the window was like crashed open by mercy you could see the wind like blow past her hair and her hair kind of like swishes past <laughs> but she's motionless taking a sip of this coffee
0: uh, mercy whips around actually and sort of says i think to the two of you because there's no one else there for her to bounce off of she says huh that sort of thing we gotta give that a old spin in the bedroom sometime eh by we i mean me and sit Someone give me a high five. Fucking (laughs) eight.
4: Voska just looks Mercy up and down and looks to do and goes, more sugar, and pushes like this small plate of like sugar cubes over.
0: (laughs) Oh, please. You're both paragons, but not of perfection or chastity. I knew for a fact Atalanta was into some freaky shit, Vasca. so don't give me that angelic attitude.
4: Voska... Like it pushes like the sugar over to Dewey, and then leans back, and it is the most minute, quiet thing. But the icy blue eye just turns over like this, looking looking at Mercy only for the briefest second. Takes the cup and presses against her lips once more. Remember, choose go out.
0: Fine, yeah, whatever. The window. Okay, 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 geez. Uh, and Mercy <laughs> goes over to the window, just sort of like carelessly pulls mm-hmm. it back shut uh, and I think heads out to the training grounds Right. like opens the door. There's like a swell of like wintry air again and Mercy's voice going, all right, sit Sitlali, take it from the top. Uh, Oka's got a bad left knee and like closes like the door and you hear like the muffled voice of Mercy going, well, I don't actually know if Oka does have a bad left knee, but target the knees! Get the joints! Use some sand! Throw it at their face! If We're gonna play dirty! Let's play dirty, right? As, like, Mercy keeps continuing toward the grounds. And inside the cottage, the door that she, like, pulled shut, like, slowly creaks back open because she'd, like, broken the lock upon opening it.
4: Um, I believe we should tell the good doctor that, um, both the window and the door, um, require some repairs. Yeah, I don't think that window is going to close the quite the same way
3: okay but not me this time i've already done it like i did it twice this week i told them twice this week and
4: it's just that is a fair boundary to put up yes perhaps it should stay this way if this is only going to continue perhaps that's better
0: uh if what is going to continue Uh, And stepping out of, like, their office, which is on the first floor, we see Dr. Aluso, the most handsome and beautiful human person you've ever laid eyes on. Sorry, that's canon. Uh, They've got, like, uh, blonde hair and an undercut. There's a theme here with our characters uh, and they've got these like- We're gay. Glasses. <laughs> we're, gla- we're gay, we're gay. Outer cuts are gay. Uh, they have glasses on, right, a, like a uh, light brown skin and they have a white lab coat on perennially that's just kind of smeared with various liquids and oils and gear grease and whatnot uh, over like a tunic, trousers, boots and they close their office door behind them and look at Dewey and Vasca attentively.
4: Um, I believe the doors and the window might need repairs.
0: Oh, oh, that's not a problem at all. And Dr. luso sort of flings their wrist up and we see, like, blue light ensconce the latch on the lock of the window and it repair itself with, like, a pleasant chiming noise.
4: Oh, there you go, Dewey. No need for additional work on your, on your end. That More coffee. so
3: easy. Yeah, there's coffee in the kitchen, um, oh. if you want some. Oh, uh, no
0: thank you. But I appreciate you brewing it. Uh, we should we should get ready to go soon. Uh, sounds like Oka and Sitlali are working up a sweat out in the garden. Uh, do the two of you need anything from me uh, as I finish packing?
4: Um, not that I can think of right now, Doctor. But thank you.
0: Of course, of course. Uh, this is from Gentle, and Doctor Aluso reaches into a cabinet, right, and pull, pulls out a shelf and pulls out these little like mesh devices used to hold tea like, to help steep it, and each one is, like, of a different kind of make, right? And they, like, hand one to you, Voska, and one to you, Dewey.
3: This is so sweet. I can't sweet. keep up with all the gentle gifts.
4: This is very sweet, yes, thank you. I will be sure to give them my thanks the next opportunity I can.
0: <sighs> Polite and gracious as always, Voska. Uh, I'll make sure to let them know if I see them first, Dewey.
4: Uh,
3: Thanks.
0: All right. Well, I have to decide between packing a Beholder eye stalk, which has particular intuitive properties, or a wand of blasting. So I will be in my office if you need me. Uh, and Squeak is also around. Not sure where she is exactly, but she's around. And Doctor Elisa goes to retreat back into their back into their study.
4: Are you going to allow- to inform the other two that they should prepare their packing, or should I?
3: <laughs> Dewey looks very uncomfortable with the idea, but uh, thinks... I should. No, I <laughs> I got it this time. Uh, you finish your coffee. And he heads out the door.
0: When you exit out onto the porch, for some reason, Mercy is doing push-ups in the field. Uh, and if it's okay with you, sit lolly, maybe you're, like, on her back. <laughs> she's, like, doing, she's doing push-ups, and so she's going, Nine, ten, and sees you, Dewey. Ten hundred, ten hundred two, ten
2: hundred three, ten hundred four. Babe, you you skipped a, a couple of um, no, numbers there. Huh? And she's
0: Should- doing them with like one arm
2: now.
3: <laughs> Who are you trying to impress, Mercy? Oh,
0: hey there, Hollowbones. <clears throat> and she's gonna like slowly, gently get up and like gently deposit Sitlali back onto the snow.
3: Uh, if you're all done with whatever you're doing out here. Uh...
1: training. We're training.
3: Uh-huh. Um... We're
1: trying to train. Uh, and I think Oka was, you know, doing the thing where they take like the bottom half of their shirt and are like wiping their sweat on it, right? You know, so you can see this like starburst of scar tissue, the like the top surgery scars, the pierced nipples, right? Like this like gold fucked up scar just like starbursting out of their chest. And they, like, wipe it down, let it fall again.
3: Hey, are those music? it,
1: what, the jewelry? Yeah, I, um, every time I have a breakdown, I like to give myself new jewelry, so. Thanks for noticing.
0: All of you hear some coughing coming from the cottage, and, uh, Zitlali, Dewey, and Oka, you can make a perception check if you want.
3: Six, Sixteen.
2: Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Natural 20? Um, <laughs> so 30. What the fuck 30 for the first roll of this
0: fucking arc? How dare you? <laughs> Oka and Dewey, the two of you don't really notice anything as you continue to talk to each other. But Sitlali, you catch the movement by the cottage out of the corner of your eye. And you see the curtain to Dr. Luso's study on the first floor just flutter shut very abruptly. Uh, and like a, a glimpse of like Dr. Luso like spilling some tea on themselves as they were looking out at the training ground and they closed the window.
2: So Oka, you and uh, Dr. Luso are on like first name basis, I noticed.
1: Uh, yeah, we've known each other for, like, a year now. Yeah? What, do you want to get your ass kicked again, or are we talking now?
2: I think we're talking now, but, um... Fine. I don't know, maybe, I mean, like, do you... You two, I mean, have you, like... You know... Whoa,
1: what? <laughs> no, I don't, uh, I don't like
2: Dr. Aluso like that at all, and You're Oka's the face gets experiment. so red. You're the worst liar I've ever met in my entire life.
1: I... <laughs> That's uh, That can't be true, actually, because you know Gentle. Gentle's a worse liar than I am, I think.
2: Mm, no, <clears throat> I don't think they are.
1: So, Lolly, you wound me. Really? I don't know what you're talking about, actually. You're yeah. red as a beet. No. Anyway, I have to go. Um, Packing. Elk. Yeah, no, we have to pack. Uh, uh-huh. We have to pack, actually, is what uh, Dewey just said. Good to see you again. Um... I wish you wouldn't dress like that. Uh, Goodbye. Uh, And Oka makes a beeline right back towards the door.
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to say it, but the robe is really nice. I don't know why you have to ruin it with the shorts underneath, feathers.
3: All of you were standing outside and all of you are wearing shorts and barely wearing shirts, I guess, also.
0: See you inside, Blue. Uh, And Mercy's going (laughs) to stomp off toward the cottage as well.
2: I think Salali is going to, as the, as they're leaving, mm-hmm. Sitlali just kind of, like, leans into Dewey and is like, if it's, like, a utility thing, can't you, like, make a bag of holding for yourself? Like, do you, is that why you need so many pockets?
3: It's, it, I'm not taking fashion advice from all of you.
2: I, I wasn't criticizing your fashion, I was just saying, I, okay, and then they just kind of follow Mercy.
0: Uh, and, and Dewey, you hear a voice behind you, You didn't realize she was there, I just go, they're being really nice with their advice, I say burn the shores. Uh, and Squeak is holding a poop shovel, like, by the chicken coop.
3: Dewey's head, uh, snaps around to look at Squeak, he didn't realize she was there. And then, like, embarrassed, like, runs back into the cottage really quickly.
4: (laughs) Embarrassed and a little bit terrified. Everyone returns back into the house. Can I get a vibe check off of everybody's mood?
1: <laughs> yep, Oka comes back in first. Uh their face is still really red and they're looking down, which is maybe actually kind of nice because I think for the most part other than training with Sitlali like at least once a day, Oka has been uh catatonic is probably the best way to describe it. They don't they don't stay in the common places. They go to their room. Uh, They ride their elk and they train with Sitlali and that's pretty much all they do. And I think they like hesitate upon seeing you just right there in the kitchen as they kind of stumble back in and kick their shoes off really fast because they're not a monster. They make, I think, like really awkward eye contact with you. Uh, Hey. Uh, And they just kind of like duck out of the kitchen and keep going.
4: Good work today. And takes a sip of her coffee, finishing the cup.
2: And I think as Sitlali comes in, uh, she pulls like this very elegant very ornate robe off of like probably like I don't know wherever you hang robes on the wall um and it is the uh the robe that Rev gave her the last time that they were at Dr. Luso's and it has like eight stars four on one side uh four on the other down the collar and the inside is like the night sky they very reverently like put that back on and kind of stop as she looks up and notices Vaska and kind of tilts their head. Did I do any better today?
4: I think you improved your footwork is way better than it was when you first started. So, well done. Oka is just trying to encourage you.
2: My footwork was shit, but that was nice of you. Um,
4: not for where I'm standing.
2: Yeah, well, you're not the one getting your ass beat. <sighs> And um, they kind of lean a little bit heavier on the cane than they might have been this morning. She starts to go up the stairs, remembers no shoes, looks down at the monstrosities of the thigh high boots that she wears, and they just kind of, yeah, I'm just, I, and they sit, they just kind of sit down and like start taking off the boots, but like trying very hard not to be pretty. <laughs>
0: Mercy leans down as well and is like, do you want me to help you take these off your feet?
2: I mean, I guess since you're offering.
0: All right. Well, anything for you, my love. Have you thought about installing zippers in these? I feel like it'd be a lot easier to just unzip them down the side and step out. Zippers? Is that like a thing you can do with boots?
2: Yeah. I mean, I used to have
0: zippers my boots.
2: All the time, especially when I was riding. Yeah, but like, will it, will it still look... I mean, like, there'd be a seam, so, like, I don't know. These oh, are you can custom, you know, because of You could make it, like, you know, you make it like a, a thing. You could build
0: the the zippers into the design of the boot. Like, I had a pair of riding boots with zippers up the side, and I, it, like, the zipper part was, like, a stick, and I painted flames around it, so it was like a stick was on fire. Your zipper yeah, could did, be, like, teeth. Like, the teeth of, like, a did, billet or something. Did sell I, them I've them got more money? ideas. Sell them... Was yeah, well, I mean, the answer to that question, I feel like, is irrelevant. Where I got the flame boots. But if you have to know, yeah, it was was a one-week anniversary present from Selim. One week, huh? She got really attached,
2: yeah. Yeah. How long have we been... Have you been keeping track? Because I... Oh, of course I have. I mean, yeah, duh. It's been, um,
0: at least three months
2: five months six but seven it's been almost a year I mean like we don't we don't have to put a number on it no. Or anything. no, no I we don't have to. Kind of, I think they kind of like take back their foot and like tug the the boot off a little bit with more force than they had been before <laughs>
0: Uh, at this point, the study door opens again, and <clears throat> Dr. Lusso clears their throat as they straighten up their uh, lab coat. They look exactly the same as when they like first came in. Like, there's no evidence of like a spill or anything like that. They step out. They have like a little like satchel, like a little bag on like slung off like one one shoulder, like a leather satchel that looks a lot smaller than you'd expect for someone packing for like heavy travel and winter wear. They cast their gaze around. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, since we're all here, we should probably head out soon. Where's Oka? Uh, Oka?
2: Oh,
1: who's there? And I think Oka comes thundering down the stairs. Uh, and I think they almost like since Lolly is sitting on the stairs at the base, they like tap, 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 tap. And then kind of like stop suddenly you know that's a horrible place to sit their chair is like right there Uh, and they like skirt like just kind of skirt around and Oka has put on a little bit more of their formal wear so they're wearing that kind of like see-through shirt with the celestial patterning on it um, up and I think they don't have their crown on yet um, but they are wearing this like other cloak I think for winter wear with this like thick uh, wolf fur probably and, uh, they also, like, have their bag and, like, Dream Hunter is, uh, strapped to it as well. Um,
0: <clears throat> present, ready to go. Hi, good morning. Good morning. I have a very important question for you, Oka. which is, with your shirt on, are your piercings visible? Yep. With your check from earlier, you don't notice, but Sitlali does notice. Dr. Lusa's eyes, like, look at Oka and then flick down and then up again very fast and then down and then up again. Uh, And Dr. Lusa clears clears her throat again and says, "Uh, uh, Voska, Dewey, are we ready to go? Kinongbo calls.
4: Voska this entire time has just been watching this entire thing intently and kind of just is just panning around A very quiet exhale and stands up and walks over to where the zither was, just pots it into a bag and slings it over her shoulder, um, tucking her flute by her waist. I'm ready whenever everyone else is. Uh, Dewey's- he's holding his, uh,
3: robes very tightly around him, um, trying to pass it off as, like, he's coming in from the cold, uh, but he's also very much, like, feeling attacked about his outfit and he like hurriedly grabs uh, an enormous duffel bag from like the side um, it's about as like wide around as he is but it's not like super long because that, that seems unwieldy
2: you mean it's not too long?
3: do it heads out the door <laughs>
0: Okay. Yeah. Wind gusts in yet again as Dewey heads out and Dr. Luso nods and also starts heading out. So does Mercy, right? Mercy's already got all her stuff with her, right? Fosca, Sitlali, Oka, I think all of you are able to get out onto the front porch uh, and head toward the teleportation dais, uh, sort of carved between the barn and the chicken coop, right? Just a massive raised stone platform. And Squeak is waiting by the platform, a poop shovel stuck into the frozen ground, waiting, I think, with those like bulbous eyes perched atop her rotund orbitous body. Uh, And Dr. Eluso pauses by Squeak, nods, and says, "Uh, all right, Squeak, I don't know how long it's going to be, but hopefully not too long, a couple of weeks at most, fingers crossed. In the meantime, here are the keys to the kingdom. Uh, And Dr. Eluso hands Squeak a literal key, It's kind of like glowing blue. It looks like kind of like a psychically constructed key, right? And Squeak like very like urgently grabs it and goes, Oh, it's been so long. I finally have the run of the homestead for myself. I'm going to put in a screen and project pictures onto it. Pictures that move. Whatever you say, Squeak, whatever you say. Uh, All right, up onto the days, everyone. And I think this whole time, Oka has uh,
1: kind of been trailing behind the group a little bit, dragging their feet a little bit through the snow. Um, And I think starting to do that thing they do that they don't know that they do, that they've only started to realize that they do, which is like they touch and they fiddle with their clothes in front of their chest when they're nervous. And I think they just kind of mutter, time to face the music, seven down, one to go.
2: And they get up on the platform. I think Sitlali kind of picks up on this and just kind of leans over and is like, Hey, are you good?
1: Um...
2: Can I get back to you on that? Yes, but that's also kind of an answer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, you know me too well. <clears throat> hmm I am, you
2: know, a little observant.
1: It's terrifying. I can't fucking hide anything from you you probably good if you tried. And Oka kind of makes this befuddled face and is lost in thought for a moment.
3: Uh, I think you're interrup- your <laughs> thoughts are interrupted by Dewey holding his enormous duffel bag, uh, waddling up to the di- the dais and trying to fit on. It's like, everyone got everything?
1: Uh, Dewey, did you really need to bring every machine
3: you've ever made? This is not all of Okay, number one, all of my Paragon clothes are in here, and all of you just made fun of me for not wearing them, so. Not all of us made fun of you, just for the record. Okay, well, it felt like it. And number two, who uh, who knows what we're going to encounter in Chukai? Uh, better to be prepared? Wear well, what makes
4: brings you joy, Dewey.
0: Or don't, because what brings you joy brings misery to everyone else, so please be <laughs> considerate.
3: Is everyone on the teleportation? Everyone, hands and feet inside of the uh, teleportation rune. We all good?
2: I hate this part. I hate this part. I hate this part. I hate this part. It's not so bad. It's It's just teleporting. Goodbye, Squeak. A snowflake.
0: White. Fractal. Cold. Pinwheels through frigid air. We see the grooves on each spike, the icy ribs of its body, thin filaments of ice spiraling over and over and over again in a never-ending cycle of wintry beauty. This snowflake lands at the base of a red cedar tree native to Jukai its thick curving branches hang heavy and white with snow the sprawling fingers of ginkgo trees cast long jagged shadows on the alabaster ground this time of year Fumasoki forest is as cold and snowy as it will ever be even rivers run still the babbling of water silenced underneath thick rinds of frost the smell of pine Snow, mulch, soil stirs the air. Sparse bushes tremble as winter rabbits dart underfoot. And within a clearing, a pillar of light erupts. The weave tenses, gasps, releases its hold on reality to reveal, ribboning into existence, the six of you standing atop a raised dais your party has teleported into the middle of Fumasoki wood. And as soon as you arrive, your breaths leave your mouths in thick clouds of white. And as this magic, I think, unravels from your bodies and you corporealize, you shimmer first in little atoms and then in full color. This isn't Kinongbo, as Dr. Aluso had promised. This is uh, like the middle of the forest. What do the four of you do?
1: I think during the teleportation, Ogak grabbed onto the back of Doctor Lusa's lab coat, and they like when they reappear, their eyes are like shut really tight, and their brow is pinched. And they open one eye, kind of let go of Doctor Lusa's lab coat really fast. Um, Sagu, aren't we supposed to be going to Kenongbo? We
0: are. Uh, this isn't Kenombo. Uh, based on the smell. And the ambient topography, I'd say we are maybe three days' ride north of Kanongbo? Why? Is that- Did you put in the wrong runes? No, 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 I activated the rune for wherever Lord Henka Oju had mapped her teleportation dais to, which would be Kanongbo, we agreed, the capitals of all the eight nations.
3: Why would there be a teleportation circle in the middle of the forest?
0: I- I don't know. Um, wait. What's uh, what's that over there? And Doctor Luso's like pointing past the ferns here, uh, past the black pines around you, past the apricot trees, the low gurgling brook nearby, and you all see Umaori Lake in the near distance, uh, spanning the southern perimeter of where you're standing, and you see on Umaori Lake uh, a temple floating atop the water a sprawling uh, above-water compound peppered by river grass and ornate bridges. But there's something else, too, by Umaori Lake, something that decidedly was not there when you, Sitlali, and Mercy were here last. Crowding the shore is a town, and quite a large one at that. Snow dusts the straw roofs of cottages, shrines, stables. Gardens brim with winter vegetables, fruit trees, cultivated farmland. Hundreds and hundreds of people populate this town, fishing the lake on docks that look recently erected, chopping firewood, harvesting berries nearby, erecting new buildings. There's construction undergoing by the hour, it seems. And the jewel of this shoreline that you can sort of see through the hazy branches up by your hill is a palatial complex, low and sprawling. Four flags fly from gilded eaves, each one threaded with the sigil of one of Jukai's four great tribes. And fluttering from a spire atop the central building in this complex is the biggest flag of all, the green, gold, and silver standard of Jukai itself, and the emblem of the Great Uniter. It's almost like a diorama of, like, the actual Emerald Palace at Kinongbo, like, a miniature version of it, right? That, like, isn't quite as beautiful, like, isn't quite as ancient, it looks new, the wood is fresh, right? You can see, like, some artisans, like, tiny little, like, ant people, right? Because from how far away you are, like, painting one of the
4: pillars. That is quite odd. Are there renovations?
0: No, no, Lord Oju didn't mention anything about renovations, and besides, that's not Kinongbo, that's Umaori
2: Lake. Yeah, that wasn't here when we came by to see, uh, Unmei, and, like, they look up at Mercy. Uh,
0: yeah, 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 Unmei definitely wasn't- this- none of this was- none of this was here, this must be a recent development. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe a tourist thing, you think? Maybe. It's a little big for a tourist thing. Who's Unmei? a uh, goddess of the lake. Yeah, she's an emissary, an angel. She protects Threehoof Lake. So Unmei was before Oka. Uh was an S- emissary I encountered before Oka and I met. Yes, Sitlali. Mm-hmm. Sitlali, I don't like how you're saying that.
2: Oh, nothing. Just, you know, Mercy had a crush on an angel. It was more than just a crush, okay? It, it was reciprocated. reciprocated.
0: Same cr- I'm just saying, saying crush makes it sound like it was one-sided, uh, when it definitely was not. I don't know, it
2: kind of seemed one-sided. when
0: well, we had, we, we, it was mutual, okay? Our breakup was mutual.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: I had my, you know, monster hunting business that I had to take on the road, and she was a lake, so didn't work out.
4: Because is kneeling onto the ground and looking at the teleportation circle and just mm-hmm. kind of, to the... From what I understand, we are not expecting this teleportation circle to be here. So how recent is this? Is it new? What does it look like?
0: Yeah, make an investigation check for me.
4: Natural 20, though.
0: 24. Wow. Okay, yeah. So, as you know, Voska, the Alliance of the Eight was set up a few weeks ago when the Dream Shield fell. And this dais looks a few weeks old. It seems to have been erected around the time when members of the Alliance agreed to set up teleportation sigils in their capitals. So that much is true. And the worksmanship here is accurate. It's solid. It maps to Dr. Elusa's homestead and the other other capitals.
4: Your discussions, perhaps they erected an additional one, or they intended it to lead it here, good doctor.
0: Uh, we, we should head down to the shore. That... That's the standard of the Great Uniter herself. Maybe she's down there. We should clear up whatever is happening here. I, I'm sorry, everyone. I, I really expected us to be in K'nongbo by now.
4: Hmm. Don't apologize. It is, um it's a bewildering set of circumstances, it seems.
1: And I think Oka hops off the dais into the snow and kind of like, you know, when you hop on snow and then you sink two more inches, they do that. And they just kind of like crack through the ice and they go, "Ugh." you know, this is not actually the first time that a member of the Alliance has, uh, you know, done something fucked up with their teleportation circle. So I guess this is just the uh, the way it is. And Oka starts trudging through the snow toward the little settlement.
4: Mosca will follow and as she is walking, I think she just naturally has a better grip of the snow, kind of just walking very lightly atop the snow, not even sinking into it.
0: Yeah, Mercy is all, like wading through the snow. She's like kicking and like basically she's plowing it as she walks. <laughs> she's like using her feet to plow it a little bit. Uh, she kind of forges ahead and makes it, makes walking it a little bit easier for those behind her. And I think all of you set off. Down this gentle slope toward Umaori Lake and this settlement that's not just a small settlement, it's quite large. It's like the size of like a town, like a proper town, right? The temple of Umaori Lake where Unmei is worshipped is dwarfed in comparison to like all of the buildings all along like the edge of this shore, right? It extends for like a mile, probably more than that. Uh, and I think by the time that all of you get out of the woods and step onto the shore, there's like icy kind of caked over frosted rimed sand. this' like dirt that's been cultivated, like an acre of farmland is just sprawling in front of you before you get to where the buildings pop up. Uh, and there's that palatial complex, I think, also against the water. And people are just walking around. I think it's like early afternoon, right? Folks are out and about. They're like fishing. They're talking to each other. They're strolling along the gardens. Most of them are at work in some capacity.
1: Well, Oka gives Vasca a kind of a look They grit their teeth, set their jaw a little bit as, like, I feel like they go past, like, just above Oka, like, on the snow without actually, like, sinking in at all. And they, like, you know, they, like, kind of push through the snow a little bit faster to try to keep pace with her a little more. Uh, I think as they're walking, their crown flits back into existence on their face, like, starting with the smaller beads that, like, hang off of their face. Like, and it's, like, one bead by one kind of knitting itself back up and onto their face as they get closer and closer to this mini palatial garden as we're heading to try to find Lord Henko OG. And
2: I think as, um, I think Sitlali's probably behind Mercy because it's easier because they don't want to get their cane stuck in the snow because it's annoying. I think once there start to be people, like, I think Sitlali is trying to actively eavesdrop. Mm, uh, make a perception check for me. Okay. No shit, that's a natural 20. So 30... Oh my
0: god! I'm glad I'm really, like, coaxing out these nat 20s outside of combat from all of your dice. So, Sitlali, you stealthily and surreptitiously cast your gaze about this hustling and bustling village. What sounds just like incomprehensible language slowly melds into something you know. You just sort of hear, like, voices go, "A oh, crop of yielding a lot of apples this winter, I hope. I mean, I'm not used to farming lake dirt, but I'll make do here. Uh, Dad, I caught some tilapia. Tilapia's a freshwater fish, right? Uh, I think so. Uh, I'm not really used to fishing for Ubaori, but good job, kid. Uh, Love, do you mind rubbing my feet a little bit harder? I've been uh, helping to chop lumber all day, and I'm tired. Uh, Uh, yes, yes, of course, my darling. Yes, anything for you. Stuff like this Uh, filters past you as you start to walk through the town. And you also start to notice people noticing your group. Hush whispers sort of fall as uh, people stop working. People stop like hoeing the ground. People stop harvesting, stop weeding, stop building things. They pause, like hammer aloft and turn to watch Oka and Dewey specifically, right? Like stride through the township and Voska as well. People are muttering and you hear snippets of those are the Paragons, right? Yeah, 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 that's the Paragon of abuse. That one's Galtanger, and that one, I think that one's Sen. And you hear that one word, Sen, being repeated over and over again by the people of Jukai. Sen. Sen. The Paragon of Sen. They're here. Sen's here. And people are just whispering and pausing what they do to stare at your group.
3: Uh, I think Dewey has been, so in his enormous duffel bag, he definitely packed snowshoes. And he's just been, like, trotting along. Uh, on top of the snow but when everyone starts staring he like makes a move to like follow behind mercy um because she's the biggest and he's not he's unable to stay upright uh in her wake uh because snowshoes were not meant for disturbed earth i think or some disturbed snow and he's so he's just like tripping all over the place uh but he hears like uh he's like very self-conscious and then he hears all the mutters of like sen and he's like oh Oh, they're not talking about me. Okay. Okay, we're all good.
2: we did you wanna do you wanna put your bag in my in my bag, unless yours is a bag of holding too, because mine's a bag of holding, and like then you don't have to lug it around.
3: Uh let's um Yeah, let's consolidate once we get to wherever we're going. There's so many people looking at us.
2: Yeah.
0: Ah, Alliance members. Welcome, welcome. We've been waiting. And striding through the crowd, the crowd parts reverently to reveal an Earth Genasi uh, person. They have, like, colorful crystals of all different kinds, uh, opals mostly, uh, embedded in their skin and their hair. uh, And they're dressed in these like dark emerald green robes, uh, not the same color as the chrysalis, more refined, uh, shot through with threads of gold and silver, right? These are the colors of Jukan nobility. And they sort of like do like a deep bow. They're coming out of the palace gates uh, to greet you. Hello, hello. Uh, My name is Nobu, head of House Bando of the Oju tribe. I've been sent out here to greet you and welcome you into my Lord Commander's parlor.
4: Oscar reciprocates the bow, um, kind of mirroring the body language almost flawlessly, um, and looks up. Thank you for the welcome. Um, And they're at the parlor now. But they
0: are, yes, that is correct, Paragon of Nethusa. They are waiting for you, uh, to receive you, and offer some explanations. I assume you must have many
4: questions. Indeed, this is quite new. How long have, um, works been done over here in this town?
0: Almost a year now, uh, ever since, uh, the Goddess of the Lake, as we call her. Uh, Unmei was liberated from forces attempting to hurt her. This shoreline has been deemed safe for settlement. I believe we have you and you to thank. Uh, And Nobu gestures at mercy and Sitlali. Huh? Me? What?
2: Uh, Oh! Oh, yeah! Yeah, 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 yeah! Yeah, That's Uh, that's us! We did do that. We did do did do that.
0: Yeah, we, uh... Rescued yeah. you people here, huh? So you should. Uh, you should. Is there a money reward? Do we get money? No. Babe, is there
2: no. gold, Mercy? What? what
0: no, mercy? What? No, no. No. Oh, sorry. Old habits die hard. Yeah. So,
2: into the into the palace. Yeah. We're royal visitors, huh? I can get used to this life. Babe, babe. Babe. Huh? Hmm. Tone it down. Tone it down. Tone it down. Oh. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> of course. Yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. After you, hmm. my.
0: Love, stop. Stop Stop talking.
4: stop talking. At your leisure, noble. We are grateful.
0: We are grateful for your assistance here in our noble nation. Please, follow me. And I think as they're going in, Oka
1: leans over to Dr. Eluso. And they kind of whisper under their breath, Weren't we supposed to be keeping the whole Paragons Exist thing a secret? Why does everyone
0: here seem to know exactly who we are? It's this has come out during some alliance meetings. It's been quite difficult to keep the existence of the paragons under wraps, especially after V became paragon because everyone in the championship knew about V and da 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 sort of went from there. It's it's an agenda item. It's not very it's not really at the top of the list of priorities though right now. Right, I just, everyone's everyone's looking at me. Oh, hey, it's okay, it's okay. Um, Do you want me to make you invisible? I can make you invisible. You could also can turn invisible. I myself invisible. Right. I probably right. should,
1: yeah. yeah. No, uh, well, well, I, no,
0: you should, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Thanks. Uh, would it help if I- could talk. Uh, n- nothing to see here, everyone. Uh, says Dr. Luso in perfect Yukon, but they're still rather awkward as they say it. Uh, we're just here on- Paragon business. all will be fine. Don't look at us. I think that should I think that should help. Oka who does not speak Jukon
1: literally at all, nods. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You're very welcome.
0: Uh, and twice as many people are staring now uh, as as your party goes past the gates.
2: Sitlali so turns and uh, Sitlali so just kind of looks back and catches Oka's eye and is like, that didn't help. that made it that was bad that was worse. That was that was mercy bad.
1: Uh, and Oka's face crumples a little. Oh, okay. And they nod.
3: Maybe they're just staring because they like the shirt. Right? It's a nice shirt. Let's keep going. Yeah. Moska
4: listens intently and is making quiet notes in her head.
0: Yeah, Oka, you see someone's, like, clearly someone's partner, like, staring at, like, your piercings, right? Like, looking, and, like, their partner's, like, looking at them, and then, like, smacks them
1: on their arm. I didn't know my new titty jewelry would be such a highlight of this episode. Uh, Oka looks down at their, and they kind of lean to Dewey. Is the
3: shiny stuff too much? No, of course not. But also, you shouldn't be asking me for fashion advice, probably.
1: It looks great. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Oka immediately pivots to sit lolly. Is it too much? Define too much in this scenario. You know, it probably means it's too much. I'll
0: change them out. Maybe. No, 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 no! Your nips are rocking. Uh, we're here. Uh, Nobu. Bars are different. Thanks,
4: Nipu. Sign right.
0: Yep. This Earth person stops in front of, like, uh, I think one of the main gates leading into the, the central building in this complex. You're surrounded on all sides by, like, these, like, cultivated gardens. You see, like, people going with, like, little shears and, and trimmers, working on, like, some hedgework, right? Cultivating some, like, big, like, red apple trees and whatnot all around you. It's a little similar, I think, in terms of the courtyards and the flowery uh, to the royal palace of Tulong. Uh, but the specific kinds of plants that are grown, the specific specific kind of ornamentation on like the eaves and on the fences are distinctly Jukan. Nobu steps up onto an elevated low wooden porch and slides like a wooden door, I think with like sort of like paper covering like open to reveal like a tea parlor with no chairs, but just cushions on like a tatami ground uh, around a low tea table. And sat on one side of the tea table, their fingers folded over themselves, sort of steepled in intent concentration and focus as they listened to their companion talk is Lord Henka Oju. She is a purple-skinned drow woman with these long, attentive ears, uh, wearing emerald green robes layered on top of each other intricately, embroidered with images of rabbits and foxes chasing each other uh, amongst clouds. She's got this, like, long black hair swept up and back in an elaborate royal hairstyle, Kept in place with various pins and jewels. Uh, She wears a golden crown sat on top of her hairstyle with three prongs coming up. And her face is painted white with rice powder, with a daub of crimson ink on her lips uh, as the only spot of color in her expression. She's talking with her companion, a red dragonborn woman in muted... Robes, rather understated ones. Uh, this, like, crest, I think, fanning out from her neck, uh, and she's carrying, like, an iron fan in one hand as she converses with Lord Henka Oju. And as the door k- 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 slides open, the former queen, Morgwilynn, turns and sees you, Oka, looking directly into the eyes of the woman that ruined your life. What do you do?
1: Oka, I think, was still in the middle of, like, having some kind of very awkward conversation with Mercy, being like, are you sure the sapphire, like, isn't too much? And they immediately shut up uh, and just totally freeze. And their whole face just goes blank, as I think they just try to rewire themselves. They take a beat, and they don't smile, and they speak in common instead of Gui Guilin also not addressing her as Queen Moa or any
0: official title, just using her first name. The former Queen Moa, who, as I'm sure you all remember, was exiled by Oka as vengeance and mercy, lowers, I think, a teacup that she'd been holding in her hand, like down to where her fan is flat against the tea table, and says back to you, Oka, I believe that's Prince Hien. Prince Hien. What a pleasure for us to meet again. Speak for yourself. Lord Oju here is an old family friend of the Moors. She has extended her grace to us to allow us to stay here in this new settlement of Unmei's Grace.
1: And Okut just hasn't stopped looking at her, has maintained eye contact this entire time. And they speak to Lord Henka Oju even though they're still looking at Queen Moa. Are you aware, Lord Henka Oju, that you are harboring a woman who attempted to kill nobility in Siolong to further her own political agenda? Not the kind of company I would keep
0: in my personal tea parlor. It is not Lord Oju who responds, but Nobu. They chime up next to you, they say, Oh, Lord Oju is aware of all the consequences that any of her decisions might make, and uh, is always very informed when making choices, I assure you. It does appear that perhaps it would be most efficient if Y- you would like to perhaps take a stroll about the garden? I hear the Forsythias are looking quite good this time of year. And the former Queen Moa picks up her fan, picks herself up off from the uh, tea table and nods slowly. Uh, but before she leaves, right, she says to Lord Oju, Henko, my son. And Lord Oju just looks up at her and just nods once. And Gwilyan sort of like crumples her hand into a fist, tightly squeezes it, nods and then turns and moves to stride past your party uh, into the garden.
4: This whole interesting interaction, when Nobu steps in to speak, how is Lord Oju's body language throughout that, that interaction?
0: Just by looking at her without making a check, she is unreadable. Her face doesn't change. Her body language doesn't change. It's almost like she like is a mannequin or something.
4: I would like to make a check. If that's okay. Okay, yeah. Roll insight. That is a thirty-three. Eighteen plus fifteen. So Lally, would you also like to roll insight?
0: Because I can see that die in your head. Yes, yes, I would.
4: <laughs> fuck Shut up. up. Are you
1: serious?
2: Shut up. Shut the fuck up, no. Quim. No way. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> yes, that was a nat twenty. <laughs> um happening? What the fuck? Okay, both of you
0: train your eyes on Lord Henka Oju, especially as Nobu speaks. And you perceive what's happening here. Lord Oju doesn't feel the need to answer for herself. So she's letting her servant talk for her. She's basically like, what Oka is asking me is kind of beneath me to answer directly. So Nobu will feel that question. Anything south of a 30 would have netted you nothing. Like, you would have not known anything about her, like, what's making her tick, why she's behaving the way she is. Because she, at the top of the hierarchy here in Jukai, which is a land of masks, lies, deception, and charisma, and performance, she is unreadable. Like, her performance leaves nothing, right? Like, you can't read what makes her tick, you can't read what makes her scared, what she's aiming for, her personality, anything. It's just like a blank sheet of paper. But with a 30 and a 33, there is worry worry bubbles in the pits of her eyes something very troublesome is fretting her right at the front of her subconscious but anything less than a third of you she just appears a statue
4: okay perfect thank you
0: i think as queen moore
1: like finally leaves like, Oka has been holding their breath. They kind of like instantly relax. Like, as soon as she's out of sight, they just kind of like their spine moves forward a little bit. <sighs> and I think you can even like hear the exhalation of breath through their nose uh, that I think kind of like hisses between their teeth, uh, even though they don't mean it to. And they immediately kind of snap their gaze back down to like the teacup. So they're not, so they don't have to look at Lord Henka Oju, but they are looking near her to like give the impression that they're still looking at her. But they
0: are like, somewhere else in their mind, I think, immediately. And as soon as the door shutters closed behind your party, that's when Nobu smiles, right? Showing, I think, different colored teeth that also kind of look like gemstones. Uh, And they say, please, please have a seat.
4: Thank you, Nobu. And Voska will, depending on the orientation of where we're sitting, of where the cushions are, will place themselves at like a forefront and allow Oka to kind of just take a ladder teacup that wouldn't be the most forefront of the gaze of Lord Uju.
1: And I think Oka just kind of like uh, mechanically I think I think you do the thing where you kind of just like position yourself just right and Oka just flows into the spot because they're not even thinking about where to sit they just sit in the place I think you direct them and they don't even know you've done it but they like sit (laughs) kind of kind of quickly and a little heavily I think.
0: Dr. Luso sits next to Oka, and Mercy will sit next to Sitlali. As all of these sit down, like, you kneel down on these cushions, right? And uh, Nobu starts preparing tea for all of you, like, starts pouring each of you a cup. It is Lord Oju who speaks next. And her voice is soft, almost girlish, understated. Uh, But every word you sense has been plucked with intention. Alliance members... Thank you for coming. I am sure Dr. Aluso has briefed you all on the stagnation.
1: And I think Oka is still kind of speaking down into their teacup. Briefed us insofar as we know pretty much nothing about it, yeah.
0: Uh, she Wait. Uh, an uncomfortably long amount of time as Nobu finishes slowly giving... It feels like a power move as Nobu finishes pouring tea to all of you and then taking their damn sweet time, puts the kettle back down and then leaves. Right, but this entire exchange takes like 15 seconds. And when Nobu's finally gone, the door closing, Lord Henka Oju's eyes snap to you, Oka. We don't know exactly what the stagnation is. All I do know is, around Kinongbo, rivers refuse to run, and trees refuse to grow. And anyone we send into Kinongbo, much like the carnival, does not come back out. Oka
1: does a few mental calculations about that. So why aren't you there?
0: I was not in Kinongbo the night of the cataclysm. Ever since Bear's end, Kinongbo has been unbreachable. Why, uh, excuse me, hi, Mercy here, leader of the Hounds of Mercy. Very, very, uh, honored to meet you and be here at this table. Wow, great tea, fantastic. This cup looks, it's nice. Um, if you don't mind me asking, why, why weren't you in, why weren't you in Kinongbo? Why? Do you ask mercy of the hounds of mercy? I'm just making conversation. If it's if it's like a personal thing or like a secret or what, you don't have to ignore me. Ignore me. I'm good. I'm good.
2: I think Sitlali has their cane kind of like like across their knees, and just very subtly, as subtly as they can, like jabs Mercy in the thigh with one end of it. <coughs> what? Mm, mm, sorry, it's hot
0: very hot scalding one might say that Nobu really doesn't know how to make their tea like Gentle does
4: My lord, we me no disrespect to inquire into your personal affairs just to know more information as you said yourself we know nothing of the stagnation we know nothing about the incidents that's happening in Kunongbo but any information that we can have of the timeline of everything that is occurring will aid us
0: my absence from Kinongbo, the night of the Cataclysm, is, I assure you, solely a personal matter that has nothing to do with the Cataclysm, the Stagnation, or the God Shard of Sen.
4: Yeah, um, inside check. I don't trust like that. <laughs> Hello, yes, woo That was a 32. Yo, I got a net 22! <laughs> <laughs> That's Theory, cool. It's all up to you now. I'm manifesting.
3: I rolled a total of 21, which is better than I've ever rolled. So.
2: I think this, this D20 is broken. No. It, again, D30. No.
0: Is that the fourth Nat 20 you've got in a row? Uh huh. <laughs>
2: Statistically,
4: this is a statistical wonder.
2: I don't know what is happening. Should I roll a different one? <laughs> This is statistically next to him. No, keep the D20, because I want to break
0: its spirit. Um, Okay, all right, you table of, okay, fine, fine, pry my cool NPC secrets out of my cold dead hands, why don't you? Okay, fine, 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 with your group's collective fucking role. um, She's telling the truth. The reason why she's absent from Kinongbo that night wasn't nefarious. Right, she's like mm-hmm. not secretly in leagues with a stranger, like at all or anything like that. With your nat 2 nat 20s, you know that, right? Uh mm-hmm. you also know that the the reason she's so recalcitrant about this is because um it would be improper for her to reveal why she was absent from Kinongbo. Mm-hmm.
4: All right? Uh-huh. My apologies, my lord. Really curious.
0: Uh, uh Lord Oju. Is there anything else you might be able to reveal to us about Kinongbo? What you think might be happening? The carnival, of course, Atalanta uh, told Oka, Manaya, Dewey, and V that people were hearing well, of a carnival. Just a stagnation that just seems to be around Kinongbo. What about what, what's inside it? Scouts peering at Kinongbo from afar have confirmed something odd. There is no movement within the city. It seems to be at a standstill. Night and day cycle as normal around Kinongbo, but no fires are lit nor quenched when darkness arrives. It is almost as though it is a ghost city, or it is as an insect suspended in amber, stagnated
3: As in, no one inside the city moves at all? Correct. And this has been... They've just been still for the past almost a
4: year?
0: A city of statues.
4: How many scouts have been sent ahead into the city up to this point?
0: A dozen, before I relented.
4: And the scouts scouting outside of the city... Were they able to parse through the identities as one of these statues or not?
0: We have not seen any specific scouts we'd already sent in appear as statues later.
2: But Kinongbo is a large city. Do any of those dozen scouts have family? All of them do. And perhaps they would have the effects of said scouts for, uh, divination purposes? We have already
0: attempted to scry and divine upon the scouts sent into the city. It is as though a cloud fogs our perception. You are more than welcome to try, but I fear your attempts may yield nothing but smoke. Interesting.
4: It's slightly hopeful that the f- spell did not fail outright.
0: Our best deduction is the Godshard of Sen is blocking all attempts to scry within the city, but you are the paragon of Sen. Surely you could plumb Kinongbo unscathed and restore the city and its citizens to normalcy.
1: I think okay hearing like the Paragon of Sen, they kind of like jerk their head up like they had not been listening, I think, this whole time. Uh, and they kind of like glanced to either side of them. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Yes, that's what we're here to do. Similar, um, must have been similar to the carnival. Same thing. Uh, same things, I'm sure. It's, yeah, we'll just do it again.
3: Okay, but uh, are we remembering the same carnival here? Uh, almost killed us. Uh, before we just say yes to going inside um, this city where we might not return from, like what? What else have you uh, have you tried besides divination and sending people in?
2: We've
0: tried flying over it, tunneling under it, going around it, throwing objects in attached to lines that we attempt to pull out. We've tried a lot of things outside of just myself going in wholesale. All of our attempts to find what's happening within have failed in one way or another. There does appear to be a domed effect over the city. If you fly high, high, high above it, I don't believe you will be caught within the stagnation. But if you approach a certain radius of influence, then you are drawn within.
1: Does it draw people to
0: it? Does it beckon? No. Not like the carnival.
4: Every time the carnival is mentioned, Vasca closes her eyes and takes a sip of her drink. Doctor, it seems that the only way forward might be entering.
0: Yes, yes. That does appear to be the only option. Lord Oju. We will do our best to make sure that the scouts you've sent in and everyone in Kinongbo is returned to the now, to here, safe and sound. M- my working hypothesis about the carnival is that it was a pocket dimension of sorts created by the fractured god shards of Scott and Ektis, uh, that drew people into a space folded between realities. Uh, so if that's what's happening here in Kinongbo, you probably won't be able to reach us once we're in there. And we might not be able to reach people outside of it, too.
3: Dewey does not look convinced Oh
0: Oka kind of bites the inside of their
1: cheek considers this we lost nearly two months in the carnival it was hours for us um, but we were gone for a long time so much so that you came to get us at Sagatun so I think it might be prevalent to write our goodbyes
0: before we head in A rather cynical turn of phrase, Paragon of Sen. But you have access to all of our silken tapestries, our inks, our books, our missives. I've just seen what happens when you disappear. Well then, we won't. We will simply not disappear and we will take care of the stagnation Spick and Span.
4: When Okup brings up writing goodbyes, Voska puts down her cup a little too quickly and sets it onto the table.
2: I think Sitlali's probably across from Bosca. and I think Sitlali notices this, tilts their head like two millimeters, and just kind of like puts a hand like maybe a cup like an inch or two closer to Vasca, like on the table very deliberately
4: she kind of just looks at you and just tilts her head and like if there is like a teapot nearby refills her cup like with the appropriate etiquette can i check that nod Mm-hmm. I mean, GM, I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I do allow inside checks against PCs. If you want to, Voska, you can deception or performance against it. Or you can just let Sitlali roll.
4: Yeah, go ahead, just roll. There's nothing that Voska's necessarily happy. No. <laughs> no no, no way. way, no way. No, no. fucking no. way. No There's fucking
0: times? Yeah. What the fuck? Voska, what does Sitlali get with a nat 20?
4: So, Lali, I'm going to give you, like, a span of time within minutia of what is occurring with Vasca. I think you are, you, with each moment the carnival is brought up, you see the stiffening and the stiffening and the stiffening of her body language. You see her spine almost erect and solid like stone before the putting of the cup back onto the table. And with a nat 20, when Voska kind of, like, turns to you and nods, I think that it feels like a acknowledgement of, like, I'm okay. I'm just putting... I'm just refilling my cup of tea. Everything is fine.
2: With their other hand, under the table, they draw a quick sigil in the air and cast sending. And <laughs> just say... So, Voska, in your mind, you hear... I've seen Denial before, but, like, this is incredible. And, you know, as a master of deception myself, I see you. And we can talk.
4: There is a pause as Voxka responds. Thank you. I appreciate the check-in. It is just... Not the best place. Let us talk. Thank you.
2: And Sidlali nods once, like, almost imperceptibly, like, like, as she is taking Mm -hmm. a, a sip.
4: When, as you're, like, completing the sending, Voska, usually when folks, like, receive a sending, there's kind of, like, that mental of, like, oh, I'm thinking in my head. Nothing. Just... Ice cold sipping the tea from her cup and her eyes strain on you for a moment. The little f- steam from the gla- from the cup rising against the smoke gray eye.
1: And compared to the very fine, I think minute detail of the conversation that these two uh, high wisdom motherfuckers over here are having, I think Oka has extremely obviously stopped listening again. And they're like staring into their teacup and they look kind of dissociated and just like they are somewhere else entirely and there is no way they can hide any of that off of their face. They are just staring into their teacup now.
0: Well then, if our minds are exhausted of questions. The six of you are free to sleep here for the night, recuperate your strength, gather any resources you might need. You are esteemed guests of the great Uniter herself for your stay. Uh, thank you, Lord Henka Oju. We will make sure to take you up on that offer. Of course. I say we charge in there and we, uh, rescue this shard, huh? Seems pretty straightforward. If anyone tries to stop us, I'll hit it with my sword. Usually that works. Even against the chrysalis!
4: Bosca wordlessly and silently exhales and, um, kind of gives the appropriate bow. Thank you for your patience, Lord Oju. We will be sure to alleviate the stagnation.
0: I appreciate your assistance paragon of Nitbuza and of course my patience runs as long as the Ruku river to the Sigirni ocean that's a long way that's like several hundred miles
2: I think Sidlali sets down her cup and they just go so does may still reside within the lake being that she is the lake she does yeah maybe I'll uh, pay the her temple pay
0: the temple a visit because i am you know i worship um sen yeah i worship sen so it'd be great to head out to the temple and say hello to unmei who serves sen as we all know um, mercy why are you shouting i'm i'm not shouting i'm what <clears throat> all right thank you for the tea uh, can we uh, can
2: we go now please everyone
4: bosca looks at silali
2: begging silali <laughs> is <laughs> I think in this moment, Salali is still just, like, staring into her teacup. Like, a beat too long of just, like, yeah, that's my, mm mm-hmm, okay, yep. And then when they look back at Vasca, you can tell that, like, something has occurred within them, but, um, she's fine. She's like, yes, let's, um, Mercy, let's get some fresh air. And, um, kind of gets up, uh, (laughs) with all of the appropriate, um, pleasantries. But yeah, of course. Thought you'd never ask. And gets Mercy out of there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. As soon as like the door shuts behind them, all of you still in the parlor hear Mercy go. Oh, that was awkward. Am I right? Jeez. Ooh. Mercy, did you see shouting. what happened to Gwalian? And that's fine. The door's closed. No, Look, that dragonborn woman. Door. It's a thin.
2: It's a thin. Oh, door, should Mercy. we move? Should we move away? From yes, the Mercy. Oh, okay. We yeah, should. All right.
0: Move. I- and you all hear the voices get, like, quieter, but still very audible, like, all right, here,
2: anyways, I was saying, yeesh, sure We need to keep moving, and, Talk like, about you hear- subtlety! <laughs> You're slowly moving her, I think! Like, trying to herd the her away.
3: As Dewey gets up from the table, he sort of, like, scooches, uh, the chair. I assume it's, like, a wooden chair, and it, like, makes that, like, um... He sort of prolongs the scooching back of the chair, so, like, it's trying to drown out the Mercy yelling. <laughs>
0: It, it, it's technically a cushion on the ground, uh, but let's say, like, uh, the cushion is, like, making a... <laughs> sh- yes. ...like a against the wood.
3: <laughs> he prolongs that and, like, gets up and, like, clears his throat uh, in case Oka is still dissociating into a teacup.
1: On Dewey's cough, Oka kind of looks up and they're like, Oh, are we going? Okay. Uh... And they, and they do, I think, like, the very, like, correct and polite bow. Uh, and the beads of their crown kind of, like, fall forward and then back onto their face. But they, like, don't really look at Lord Henka Oju. They just kind of get up and start walking away. Mm.
0: I think as the rest of you start to filter out, I think Oka, maybe you're the last one to leave. Like, Dr. Luso's with you, Dewey, uh, And you just hear Lord Oju's voice behind you, Oka, go. Prince Hien, the lives of my people depend on you. Please remember that.
1: Anoka pauses at the threshold. And they look back over their shoulder. And they look very serious. Like, her words have kind of fallen into them entirely. And they nod, looking kind of troubled. And kind of follow, I, I suppose, like, uh, Dr. Lewis's coat out.
0: And on all of you leaving, the wooden door shutters closed once more.
1: I think Oka leaves, and then immediately they just start wa- They just start walking somewhere, uh, and I, I'm looking for Queen Wolf.
0: Uh I'm gonna go find her and talk to her. Yeah, you find her. Boom! You can just em- you turn the corner and you see she's in like a courtyard with trees planted. That several people are walking through, like admiring the fruit, the blossoms, and she's in particular standing at the foot of a hawthorn tree, uh, imported from too long. And with her are two of her children. You recognize them, the former Princess Muohung Bu and the former prince Muoku. <sighs> Oka Guilin,
1: what are you doing
0: here? <laughs> I don't see how any of that is your concern. This isn't too long. I'm allowed to be here.
1: Certainly you are, but I know you to be a woman who is very, very particular and very, very careful. Certainly it is absolutely no accident that we happened to arrive while you were having tea
0: with Lord Henka Oju. Oh, please. I could appear anywhere and you would ascribe nefarious intentions to my presence. And would I be wrong to do so? You exiled me. Stripped me of my title. Ruined my livelihood. The least you can do is just leave me and my children be. Mom. And the prince speaks up. 23-year-old fourthborn. Half-dragonborn. They, them pronouns. Uh, they sort of, like, hold up a hand. They've got this, like, short shock of I think black hair across their eyes. They look up at you, Oka. And they look strikingly like their older brother, the former Prince Mo but he's nowhere to be seen. He's not here, actually. Mom, please. They are the Paragon of Sen. They can help. They're going to help, okay? Maybe we can tell them what's happening and they can keep an eye out. I... Ku, do not interrupt me. Do you understand? But mom, please, I... Prince Hian, our brother, Mwazhengqian, he's... He's in Kinongbo. He left a few weeks ago. He, he hasn't come out since. Please, please, can you keep an eye out for him and save him? We're gonna cut away from the scene and to someone else who's preparing for Kidongbo.
4: Foska prepares every day the same way. She places the zither upon her lap as she sits kneeling and plucks the strings to try and find Atalanta. Foolishly, a true act of futility. But she does it nonetheless. And the same answer comes back. I think she would find like a, because there's a beautiful temple nearby, she would go around the perimeter, kneel down, take in nature and the comforting sounds of the water hitting the shore, reminiscent of Nabal. Reminiscent of the temple in which her Atalanta sits. And there she will pluck the zither.
0: Mm, Your song, sorrowful and futile rings out over the gently lapping waves at the shore. You ask a question into the great beyond. You get no answer back, until you hear a voice snapping you out of your reverie. Nice song! Did you, uh, write it yourself, or uh, did you learn it on some paper?
4: I think there is as she is plucking like it there's a a moment where she plucks it and it's like it's not that it was played badly but it's definitely like a minor key so it just sounds just slightly off not like how you would end the song just slightly off and looks forward i did write this yes
0: it's pretty You know, I've played the Zither a few times myself, uh, just plucking at it, and, you know, it's like no matter how you play it, it sounds good. So, I mean, that sounds nice.
4: Would you like to play?
0: Yeah. You mind?
4: Uh, Picks up her Zither and kind of, like, like she kind of stands up courteously and then sits down so that she sits adjacent to Mercy and kneels Mm -hmm. down like a Like a mentor would teaching a little child how to play a zither.
0: (laughs) You condescendingly move to the side and Mercy sort of sits down all swagger and bravado and puts puts her fingers out. There's like a flash of like a, hmm, potential futurity where you see her just like absolutely break the strings. (laughs) She's plucking them, right? Because her fingers are huge. (laughs) Voska looks at this in fear. I'm going to have her role performance. I
2: just
0: restrained it. I just this. At disadvantage because she's not proficient. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. was a nat one. I rolled a six and a one. I thought you got right to could roll a nat twenty as well. No, <laughs> I got a six and a one. She plucks a single string, and all of them break. Just they like whip and lash off of like the wood of the instrument and like hit her face. Ow. I think your instrument's broken.
4: To every human being who is not exceptionally perceptive, not a single muscle moves in her face. Not a single one. She kind of, like, gazes at Mercy up and down. I think that is an astute observation, yes.
0: Yeah, maybe you, like, um... What's it called? You you tuned it wrong?
4: My tuning was fine, but it is no matter. Nothing-
0: Are you sure? Cause it It... broke like real easy. Like I wasn't even trying to break it. It just broke.
4: It's all right. It is a delicate instrument and there's a level of delicacy tact to wielding it. Mm. I understand if it was too delicate for your experience.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that makes sense. It was a little too, uh, flimsy and weak. Right, we agree.
4: Oh. So. Atalanta. Yes. Is there something you wish to ask me? No,
0: no, 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 no. It's just, um, you ever, uh, okay. Here's a question for you. Have you ever been stuck in traffic on the heavenly road? You know, like, on a mule or whatever, and this asshole cuts you off right to the left and they like charge ahead but there's a toll booth you're both stuck at the same toll booth even though they charge right ahead in front of you there's like a moment where we're both we're both there and looking at each other and you're just sort of like huh even though you rushed ahead we're both still stuck here at the same toll booth
4: i can't say that that has been personally my experience
0: oh you must not be a very worldly traveler then because every traveler i know uses the heavenly road
4: or oh, they pick their timing of their travels cutely, to avoid traffic.
0: What, like bandits and weirdos? Well, why pretend to be so dignified and, you know, refined and put together? We all shit and piss and bleed the same, know what I mean?
4: I do not understand what you are trying to insinuate to us.
0: I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, uh, Atalanta was, uh, a little rough around the edges, know what I mean? Before you've cleaned her up a bit. But we used to, <laughs> we used to throw rocks at people swimming by Bacchanalia Beach, uh, just for fun.
4: Alanta and I too skipped rocks close to the shores of the bile.
0: Oh, we didn't skip them. We were trying to get as many people with the rocks as possible. There was like bonus points if you got them on the head.
4: That sounds just like
2: her. But she was real I... different after the two of you started dating. In the background somewhere else in the temple you hear Sitlali calling for mercy? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, I should go. Yeah, Sitlali, uh, probably wants to see me because, you know, we're dating and we're in love and stuff, so. I hope you find that again, yeah, cause, whew, man, she really did leave me for you and then just die, huh? And you weren't there to save her, right? So, uh, to talk should probably restring that instrument and Mercy's gonna get up
2: and start to leave and I think when Mercy gets up she sees Sitlali within earshot looking mildly horrified
0: hey Sitlali, Voska was just teaching me how to play the zither but I already knew how
2: why don't you go say goodbye to your ex-girlfriend uh yeah yes I will I was on my way to do that
0: Mm mhm And she starts to walk away.
2: Yeah, and I think Siddhali approaches um, Vasca hesitantly. Um,
4: Not a muscle moves uh throughout that entire interaction, but picks up the zither and begins to slowly loosen the notches of which the strings are attached to remove them. Because otherwise it'd be very unwieldy to carry.
2: I think... Silali takes in the damage and just do you want me to fix that? I can I have mending. If that would help, I know it won't be tuned the same. You'd still have to tune it, but you don't have to restring it necessarily.
4: Voska, like her head was focused upon the, the, she was looking down upon her lap and looks up to you as you arrive before her and smiles politely warmly and says, oh, no, no, it's, um, it is all right. Yes, it will not tune the same, but there is also a a practice to restringing what is broken. Tis the, as she plucks it, the acknowledgement that something is broken, acknowledging the loss and attempting to find common ground within what is new. And then as she removes that old broken string, she brings in a, a roll of new string as she gently begins to restring it and tighten it. And it is a good practice. Very meditative, I would say. But thank you for the offer, it is very kind.
2: Of course. Um, Mercy has a habit of breaking things, so um, I have to be very good at putting them back together
4: afterwards. There's no harm done. I had a feeling that perhaps the instrument was delicate, perhaps. But it is no matter. No harm done.
2: Are you sure?
4: I'm certain, Salali.
2: Because once she gets a bone, she doesn't really let go of it.
4: I'm very good with those who are relentless. But thank you for your concern. I believe there is A degree of truth. And she sighs, a reflection in her words.
2: She is unintentionally wise sometimes. I think that might be me uh, rubbing off on her a bit. Um, (laughs) Don't know where else she would have gotten it from. And Sitlali like kind of half laughs and is like kind of trying to like, looks around, not quite looking at Vasca. That talk doesn't have to be now. In fact, I don't... After that, I'm not sure it um should be, uh, but perhaps when we have assessed our threat a little more closely, um, the offer stands at your convenience.
4: Voska finally finishes adding in all the new seven strings upon the zither and plucks each one tunes it slightly it's almost as if they are perfectly tuned immediately upon being attached with just a slight mending to them and she looks up to her into Solali and says that is very kind I will be sure to take some time to speak with you when we have a better understanding of what is occurring in Kinobo but please do understand It is not your responsibility, this tension. I understand Mercy's frustration. And no harm has been done. Yet. I think when you say yet, something flashes in front of Vaska's eyes.
2: It's not necessarily you I'm worried about. It can be both.
4: The smile remains, and Vaska plays like a scale with the new strings and the breeze warms.
0: We cut away from Sitlali and Voska to a different part of Unmei's grace to find Dewey. What are you doing to prepare?
3: I think Dewey is in a courtyard, uh, pacing frantically because going on this mission with people who perhaps not the greatest team dynamic uh seems like kind of a death wish at this point because the carnival almost killed him last time and also everyone else and now like he couldn't get anything from lord henka oju about this mission and so he's just but there's like i don't know who he would talk to about this he doesn't know who he would talk to about this he's trying to live up to his new paragon self and not be such a coward uh but this seems like objectively a bad idea.
0: <laughs> Where do we find you as you're sort of kicking rocks around?
3: I think he might have gone to like a, there's like a royal library of some sort, right? And he like went there under the guise of like preparing, reading up on the city of Kenongbo, uh, but he's given up and there's like a pile of books but they're all untouched and he's just like walking around the table.
0: As you're pacing, anxiety sort of taking over your mind, you hear a voice emanate psychically within your own head. The voice of Dusty, your sore son. Duh. Dad? It's me, your son. Hi,
3: uh... Yeah, I'm good. What, what's up?
0: I can just tell you're kind of nervous because our minds are psychically linked, so if you're feeling any huge emotion it sort of bleeds over to me...
3: Okay, sorry about that. Uh,
0: yeah, like when you became the Paragon of Galtanger, that was that was really intense for me. I'm still unpacking that a little bit on my end, but I just yeah, I just wanted to I just want to check in because you seem a little nervous, and I hear everything you hear, and I see everything you see. So,
3: I I am sorry about that. That's a there's a lot of stuff I do in here that you probably shouldn't have to.
0: It's it's okay. I mean, you're my dad. I'm, I'm your son. Uh, we should support each other, right? And, like, look out for each other and stuff?
3: Of course. Uh,
0: hey, how, how do you feel about Bosca and Titlali? I mean, they're not like Manaya or V. They're pretty different, so it's a new group.
3: They're pretty different.
0: They're not uh, a Biku
3: either. They, They're great. I'm sure they're extremely really? competent.
0: I I don't know. I I mean, yeah, sure, competent. But like they, you know, like, I don't know if you picked up on this, but like there was some sort of weird energy in like the tea room between them. And Mercy really doesn't seem to like Voska. Like really doesn't seem to like her.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that one I can, I can see the lines connecting those very clearly. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, maybe not the best time for us to be heading into the la- the final god shard. If we all die in there, I don't want I don't want it to take you down with me.
0: <laughs> but that won't happen, right? Because you're a paragon and you'll protect us?
3: I mean, I'll do my best, but...
0: I-, I believe in you, Dad. I've seen all the incredible things you've done, and now that you have that not god jar anymore, what it? it's like that little furnace strapped to you. Maybe you can do even more incredible things and protect us all?
3: I mean, ideally, but...
0: Come on, Dad! (laughs) You just gotta believe in yourself, right? Like, I believe in myself as a sword. You should believe in yourself as a person.
3: I believe in you too, as both a sword and also my kid. Also my kid. Um, Mm -hmm. Still not sure how that one works, but...
0: It's pretty straightforward. Sievert's table fell on me, and then I gained sentience. (laughs) What's what's not? And I gained us.
3: And I gained a child. I don't know. I can believe in myself as much as I can believe in myself, Uh, but if the rest, if the rest of the party isn't like getting along, I don't know how much I can influence that.
0: Well, maybe it's not your job to make them get along, but maybe you can just sort of, uh, like, focus uh, on the task and watch out for your friends when they need you?
3: How do you know all this? Wait, hold up. How are you giving me advice about this? You're...
0: I've been strapped to your back for almost a year. I've seen everything you've seen, Dad. I saw what happened in the carnival. I saw what happened in too long. I saw what happened in Dabathati after my eyes were opened. I don't really have eyes, but you know what I mean. And everything in the court. I've been a witness to all of this, to all of the failures and the successes and the shortcomings and the strengths and the weaknesses and the potentials of everyone in your group and of you, Dad. And I know you can do this. So if you can't believe in yourself, believe in me who believes in you.
3: I appreciate your confidence in me, though even after all you've seen.
0: I know you used to run away a lot, and maybe a part of you still wants to, but it's the final god shard. It's the last one, Dad. The last one. last thing we have to do before we save Endake.
3: You can do it. And then we fight the stranger?
0: Yes, and then we fight the stranger, and I'll get to show off my brand new awesome moves. Bum, bum, pow, slash, slice. Don't worry, I'm not actually moving on... on, on your hip.
3: I get scared, sorry.
0: (laughs) I know, I I used to be really out of control, yeah, when I was a preteen, but now, but now, you know, I'm a little bit more disciplined. You're gonna kick butt, Dad, you're gonna kick butt. Say it with me, I'm gonna kick butt. Say it.
3: And and Dewey looks around, so no one's watching, he's like, I'm I'm gonna kick some butt, I could kick some butt.
0: Louder, louder, more
3: more confident. Well, I could kick some butt out there. Dewey, what are you doing? (laughs) uh reading books you see uh reading these books on the table
1: and i think oka is standing at the door of the library looking rather haggard and they just kind of go well grab your books and check them out because we have to go save my fucking asshole brother uh and they turn on their heel and walk out
3: wait wait which one you have a brother okay uh, and Dewey leaves, I think he leaves the books uh, and he just follows after Oka and he's like, wait, hold up, you gotta elaborate. You can't just say that and leave.
0: We cut to Oka saying it and leaving. So Oka, <laughs> where, do, where do we find you storming off to? Oka,
1: I think is walking through this like snowy, pal- like mini palatial compound. Uh, they don't know where they're going though. So they're just kind of like poking their head into random courtyards, but they're moving with a lot of purpose. Uh, and it's very clear that kind of, Unlike how they would act when they were with Vinash, this is their own rage. I think that's kind of like bubbled up, and it's the kind of like antsy type that they get when they're really like intent on something and really focused and they're not taking their mind off it. So they just kind of like are looking into every courtyard and I think as Dewey is chasing them down, they're like, Where the fuck where the fuck are Fosca Lolly? Mercy uh, as I think they're like looking around and I think eventually probably start heading toward the temple. They look back at Dewey a little bit. <sighs> you remember? Dewey, I have quite a lot of siblings, 15, to be exact. I have one older brother, my older <laughs> my older fucking brother. Remember him? Yeah, I
3: remember that also why do you want to save
1: him? Because he marched his cute little ass into Kinangbo, apparently, to try to save his uh, family's reputation, apparently. That's what (laughs) Mokuo said. So, um, yeah, yeah. And they look like a little unhinged. (laughs) They just kind of nod and look at Dewey.
3: So we got to go right now?
1: Soon? Did you need some books or something? What were you even doing?
3: Uh. Reading. Uh, Wait, I I thought you wanted to kill the guy last time you saw him.
1: We have beef, but we're family. So I think actually the last time I saw him, I was specifically not letting him die. So I would like to actually keep that thread going. Um, So if we could just find Silali and Voska and Mercy and uh, Hitsagitan, that would be lovely. And Oka is, I think, kind of like aggressively walking through the streets toward the temple over like one of the bridges that leads onto those platforms and perhaps maybe like find like seeing vasca sitting there having like redone the, the instrument mm. good okay uh time to go we're gonna go tonight
4: i think vasca finishes the last scale as the zither is now tuned um suddenly is there kind of looks oka up and down something the matter did you learn something new
2: mm-hmm
1: no no a family thing
4: Oscar stands up post haste then whenever you're great
0: ready. thank you for your uh, expeditious uh movements let's go please oh we heading out now uh and all of you hear mercy's voice coming from the temple out on the water she's like walking back across the wooden bridge toward the shore yeah I just uh wrapped up my goodbyes here so I'm ready to go whenever where's uh, the doctor. Uh, uh, here, here, here. Sorry, I've been collecting soil samples from this area. I hear if an emissary resides in an area, then the ground itself becomes divinely blessed in some way, or mutated, depending on the emissary. Uh, I'm ready. Uh, Oka, are you all right? You look a little disturbed. Oka just kind of stares d- dis- disturbed. We can talk on the way. I managed to secure ourselves uh, some mounts uh, until we get to the periphery of Kinongbo, then we should make it in on, by foot.
4: Oscar has already stepped out and walked, I think, as soon as, like, Mercy showed up and was like, oh, yeah, I did this. And closer to where the doctor is, and I was like, shall we?
0: We shall. All right, then. Onward to Kinongbo. Uh, and we cut to your party traveling southward toward Kinongbo. To get there, you have to ford the Ma River, uh, which forms kind of like a northern border uh, to Kinongbo, but that's very easily done. And true to word, it does take about three days uh, to travel over land and water to get to a vantage point where you can see the capital itself. So I think this travel is, you know, pleasantly awkward. Given the bristly interaction between Vasca and Mercy back at Unmay's Grace, Mercy does continue to sort of, like, push her buttons a bit. I think, like, dropping references to past lovers, you know, to, like, sometimes being very on the nose about, you know, Atlanta's dead, as we all know even though like it was a conversation, not about that in any way, shape or form, stuff like that. And Dr. Aluso just spends their time, I think on the cart that's pulled by these two oxen, sketching the landscape around them uh, in like a truly beautiful way, just like in one of their journals, just taking in this part of Jukai and whatnot. Uh, So real quick, how is each of you conducting yourself during travel?
2: I think Sitlali desperately wants to be scrying, but like, knows that it's not going to work so there's like a frustration like nothing that like they would normally work works you know so like and they're like well that would be a waste of very expensive material so like no I think they they're rifling through their stuff and they come across a clump of hair straggly blonde hair and I think and like I think they're sitting in the wagon for this um And I think she just kind of pulls it out and holds it very tightly, very securely, and just thinks about Adam. And they go kind of unreadable, kind of Voska-level unreadable for a little bit, which is unusual for them, before they put it away. And I think she just is, like, flipping through her journal and, like, trying to think of literally anything that could be causing this and could be helpful based on like the everything that she knows which is not that much more than other people but you know court shit catholic school gives you a complex whatever (sighs) yeah so there's just a lot of frustration and like pent-up energy to it like so is like a small atom bomb i think on this
0: wagon (laughs) and i think mercy like tries to engage with you during this like three-day journey you know she's like striking up conversation you know trying to like you know like offering to massage you know your tense shoulders and rub your feet out and whatnot um and is like basically generally trying to interact with you and spend time with you uh but are you like so focused that you're unable to sort of cede
2: that attention to her i think i think it's really fickle honestly it's like i was gonna say roll of a d20 but um as we've learned today, not the best metric for anything, um, but like, f- toss of a coin depends on the moment, like, so, and sit so, has never been, like, super fickle with Mercy before, so I think there is some new, like, I don't know, I think there might be some tension there. Yeah, for the, mo- for the most part, like, I think they see to their attention, but almost never all the way. So I
0: think because of that, by the end of the three days, Mercy is a bit taciturn. She's a little moody because she hasn't been getting her silali time. So she just sort of turns that negative energy back around onto Bosca and has just been sort of needling Bosca with just random questions and really invasive comments and whatnot. Speaking of which, Bosca, how have you been spending this travel time?
4: Ancient meditation and. The number of efforts to use her soul magic with the Zither to contact Atalanta increases slightly. The duration of the song is longer. She takes more time uh, alone to herself. And for the most part, with Mercy's jabs at this point, it is reaching. It is more of the fact that, like, Voska just doesn't entertain them anymore. Whereas before she would be polite and say something and, and genuinely answer the questions, you know, at the beginning as vaguely as possible. Now just does not entertain it and is um seems very focused, or would just do the thing of like paying attention outside as if she is looking giving a lookout during their travels, putting on that veil of focusing on the task at hand instead of mercy
0: i really like that yeah uh so i think like as we pan away from like mercy like being like hello hello Vasco. i'm asking you did you ever spar with atalanta with her trident just a simple yes or no question jeez what is with this person well what do you think Zitlali? you think Vasco ever sparred with atalanta the trident wise
2: what <laughs> sorry i was
0: no you know what never mind it's just i'll just sharpen some javelins
2: no, babe, not the javelins. No, 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 no I'm It's fine. So-
0: it's fine. It's fine. Go do. Look at your hair or whatever. It's it's fine. It's no, fine. I'm, I'm so- just.
2: Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it.
0: I'm here and I'm
2: worrying about it. I'm good. I'm just gonna.
0: It's. You're I like my job. I'm good. Fi- I'm fine. I'm fine. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's babe. fine.
2: I'm sorry. Don't. There's nothing to be sorry about. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You're. It's. This- you're. It's, you're almost as bad as bad of a liar as Oka. It's fine. Can we not? Can we not do
0: this? in a wagon with literally everyone and we like pan out to see that Oka and Dewey are right there too. Like we're all in the back of the same wagon.
3: I think Dewey's been noticing this uh and in an attempt to keep the peace has been like asking each member of the party sort of like trying to like occupy their time uh one-on-one with Dewey so he'll ask like the most like inane like requests of people. He'll be like oh Mercy like can you help me um-? I can't lift, like, the buckets of water for our camp tonight. Can you help me? Like, it's all the way over there. Uh, and to just try to, like, occupy as much time to keep the peace so they're not interacting, he'll be like, <laughs> uh, like, oh, Vasco, can you teach me to, like, uh, play the zither? And
4: he's terrible at it, uh, but he's just trying to... <laughs> the warmest smile and the warmest <laughs> attention upon you from Vasco when you ask to like mentor you through the zither. She isn't even like necessarily like constantly like at your ass to kind of like practice whatever but whenever you do show an interest like it is a stark contrast just energy wise from everything else of how Voska treats you. It's just the warmest smile. Sometimes when you make a funny mistake there's like a, a brief chuckle you see kind of like the facade breaking a little bit.
3: Dewey's got the most, like, he's got just terrible, like, butterfingers, like, ham hands, butterfingers, can't play this thing. And I think also maybe, like, another thing he's uh, asked of Mercy is, like, oh, can you, like, show me how to, like, um, wield these, this ridiculous number of javelins you've made? Can I, like, can you teach me how to, like, hold one? And she's just, like, absolutely breaking down his self-esteem <laughs> in the process of teaching.
0: What are you doing? Why are you holding it like that? Do you not- He told me- know how to use your body in any way beyond just reading books and other nerd shit?
3: You told me hand over hand, right? Like-
0: Oh my God. I don't want to get too many That's <laughs> Connie to, to Dewey,
3: but- okay. Imagine, no, imagine Mercy not having an outlet for her needling for a couple of days. I think this is, two will take it.
0: Are, are your hands eternally coated
3: with butter or something? <laughs> I thought my grip was fine on them. I didn't even move them that much.
0: You know what? Just just stand there. Just stand there and let me show you what would happen if I'm using a javelin against you. I'm not actually going to hurt you. But, and like Mercy like grabs the javelin from you okay. and starts like, like past your face, past yeah. your face, like under your wing, under your wing, like right between your legs, like bam, 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 bam. Like you're dead there, 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 dead, 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 dead. God. And this isn't even the one I coated with poison.
3: I'm very thankful for that. And Dewey's got his eyes pressed shut and he's like in mortal terror. He's like reminding himself, at least they're not arguing. At least they're not arguing. Oh <laughs> my
0: Okay. And now we're going to cut over to Oka. I want to know what Oka's doing during travel.
1: Oka has reverted a little bit, unfortunately, I think, to how they kind of acted the first few weeks that they were at Dr. Eluso's. Um, but also they kind of take up the habit that they actually started in arc one where they sleep during the day um, because if they sleep during the day, they don't have nightmares and that means that they can actually keep moving at night because they drive the cart at night. So I think they try to sleep through most of this and they've definitely like woken up in the middle of the day while they were trying to sleep in the back of the cart, punched Mercy in the arm as hard as they could to get her to shut up and stop asking Voska horrible, ridiculous questions and like going back and trying to sleep again. Um, but when they are awake, like in between the mornings and the nights, they are kind of out of it. They are sleeping during the day, but they still have these like really dark circles under their eyes. Um, and they are kind of obsessively reading Shu Hai Miao's diary over and over and over. And I think like just like in the evenings during dinner when like the overlap period of when Oka is awake and when everyone else is awake oka is like they have their bowl of soup or whatever and they have the diary and they're bleeding on it and reading it right and that's the only thing they do you like watch them get to the end and then they go back to the beginning and start doing it again just over and over and over obsessively reading the same passages again and again and again even though they have literally translated it into their own journal several times they just like keep reading it and then they like look up and they keep reading it again Um, And they don't do much talking to anyone, particularly.
0: Oka, something you notice that you begin to notice as you are pouring hours and hours over Shu Hai Miao's diary. It's subtle, but it's happening. The passages change. At first, just a word or two there. A V replaced with an A. Numbers are shifted and 11 becomes a 6. But it's unmistakable so gradual you don't notice because it's happening right underneath your nose but it's only when you compare it with the passages you've written in your own journals based on a hunch that yeah the passages shift and are almost completely different like from when you first started recording them to now and the change is all over the place like one particular journal entry toward the beginning right like oh These monsters, right, that are attacking us on the battlefield are so weak and flimsy, like they're constructed out of shadows woven from molasses or like woven from sugar string. Like that has been like wiped away completely and replaced with like, these foes are formidable. It's like they know our every move, our every weakness. And then, like, later passages become the ones about the weak foes. Middle passages get mushed together. There's no rhyme or reason. It seems to be completely random. Like, it's shifting between different realities or timelines or perceptions of the same event. You start to notice that.
1: Oka goes a little, uh, intense. I think about it. I think especially as they're getting closer and closer and they're like diving further and further into the ju- into the journal, there are like nights, I think, where somebody is like maybe woken up by the sound of like Oka talking like really loudly to Dr. Elisa. Look, this passage here, this is about a, a face changer, a face stealer. Look, and you can yeah, see yes. what I wrote down before. It's not the same. The words, it just
0: changed. I watched it change just now. Um, Oka... I know you've been sleeping during the day. Um, I just wanna make sure that you're you're fully rested and you're okay. I, I believe you about the diary, the, the changes. That is quite concerning. I, I'd love to talk more about it with you when we're not several hours out from Hinongbo, but I just wanted to check in, Oka. Are you stable? And Dr. Lisa's like looking at your dark circles, your like wide frenzied eyes, right? Like your hair that's sort of like plastered up, stuck up on one side because you've been sleeping on it weird.
1: Oka looks kind of down at the diary. Yeah. Yeah, I just... I just can't... I just can't lose anyone else.
0: Too important to fuck up this time. Just trying to be prepared. You don't have to be prepared alone, Oka, so... Thank you for showing me this diary. Can you point me to the specific changes I can maybe try to put together a hypothesis? And then I think it's like their heads are like kind of like tucked down over the diary
1: together as Oka goes through like each of the changes, which one came first, you know, the ones that are in their journal, how they've changed and all the different notes about that. Mm.
0: Uh, so I think, like I mentioned, that was several hours out from Kinongbo. And by the time the capital draws into view... Starless dark has wrapped its way around the horizon. The only pinprick of light afforded by the torches mounted by your oxes and on your cart. And I think like there's like a a groaning moment as like your steeds make their way to the top of a hill. And you all see Kinongo, city of secrets, capital of Jukai, built atop a tall hill in the near distance, overlooking the Ruku River to the south and the Ma River to the north. Uh, these tilled acres of farmland steeple their way up toward the heart of the capital. A low wooden fence at least 30 miles long in circumference surrounds the entire base of the hill, marking the place where Ki and the stagnation begins. And from your vantage point up high, surrounded by I think like still snowy trees and little frosty rocks, you can see the buildings that comprise the capital, staggered at different elevations like a ziggurat. And these wooden shrines with glazed tile pop up, you see ponds glistening with ice and lily pads, courtyards teeming with vegetables, flowers, fruit trees. And finally, at the very top of the hill, towering above everything, a massive pagoda, at least 80 stories tall, visible from miles away. This is Kinongbo shrine, the largest altar to sen in all of Jukai and the crown jewel of the Emerald Palace. Dr. Luso nods grimly. All right, we're just a few minutes out now. Puts out their palm and like an orb of blue light appears. Uh, And they like cast this like gentle light out to like illuminate your path. All right, everyone, let's uh, try to stay together. Yes, wonderful. Uh, Oh, and uh, mercy... I know one of your exes was a monster therapist, but I don't know if she was licensed. If you would like to, you know, seek perhaps some counseling, I have, I have a list of doctors I could recommend. And like, Dr. is like following after Mercy, who's just
4: forging on ahead. Vasca whistles and gives Dr. Eluso a bardic inspiration.
0: That's sweet. Yeah, Dr. Eluso pauses in talking to Mercy and just, oh, I feel a tingly. Was that you, Vasca? Thank you.
4: I don't know what comes ahead, but I hope we do not separate.
0: I appreciate that, Voska. I think your party, then, guided by Dr. Luso's light, begin to make your way down this hill you're perched upon and toward Kinongbo, Nongbo, toward that low wooden fence surrounding the bottom uh, of the mountain. And as you get closer and closer... And closer to that fence, you don't notice anyone immediately beyond it. You don't see people like standing in like statue formation or anything like that. It's just quiet. Looks normal, feels normal. Though, by the time you get within, I want to say, sixty feet or so of the fence, all of you feel the weave, sort of tense. And the closer and closer you draw to the fence, like the tighter and tighter and tighter the weave pulls right as some sort of like massive magical effect is clearly like just beyond that boundary and i think like dr luzo pauses like maybe like a foot or two away from the fence and it's sort of like almost like a like a black hole or some sort of like gravitational force, right, is it there? You can't see it, but you feel it. You feel it sort of, like, etching along your nerves and, like, causing the hair on, like, the back of your necks to rise, right? And, like, I think, like, a tingle to sort of travel through your nervous system. Are we ready, everyone? Together? And I think as Dr. Luso says that, Oka takes that step
1: forward. And I think they were kind of, like, almost behind everyone. But they look completely entranced. And I think like as they take one more step forward, like the freckles on their face begin to glow a little bit. And usually their wings, like before the cataclysm, their wings were very ghostly and would kind of like just fly out of their back. And after the cataclysm, their wings now kind of tear out of their back. But this time they almost just like unfold out of this like soft part of their scapula as both of their wings just kind of furl out behind them and they take a step in past the threshold. Almost
0: like they're dreaming. Oka, you step in and we we follow you as you pass through an invisible barrier that sort of like shimmers, like you're like falling vertically into water, right? Like ripples, like past you, past your skin, past your wings. And Oka, as soon as you're within the boundary of Kinongbo, there is a blinding light right? Like, almost like there's someone's, like, like, right beyond it, invisible shining light in your eyes. I think you even have to, like, blink a bit, and we see your pupils like, shrink, and, like, oh, you blink, like, as you, like, adjust to this new light. And when your blinking settles down, you realize what that blinding ray of light was. It was the stars in the night sky above your head. Podcast editing for this episode is by C. Thomas of Oka Hien fame. Toss them a follow on Twitter at Piesharp Art. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri O'Pines on Twitter and explaintrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out explaintrade.com please consider giving us a 5-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7pm US Central Time on Twitch at TransPlanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransPlanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our patreon paragons alex brooke bright charles chiacres cora eckert emma hat conding lex slater lyle and peanut purple mouse riley scruffysis and target